This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. You're listening to Elder Law Issues with me and one of the partners at the firm, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, welcome back. Thanks, Robert. Hey, Elizabeth, I thought maybe today we could talk about estate administration, but, but I want to be clear before we start into this that, that I'm talking about little e estate administration. Uh, in in the law, we all talk about we lawyers all talk about probate and trust administration and and how they're different and and how they're similar. But I want to just focus on administration without the probate or trust uh, lead in, and and some tips for people who are at an administering an estate, whether that means they're acting as trustee of their late parents' estate, trust estate, or uh, whether they're acting as personal representative of a probate estate. A lot of the rules are the same. Can we just talk about little e estate administration for a few minutes? Sure, Robert. I think one of the first things that I talk to people about and you talk to people about who come in and meet with us and say, my sister just died or my husband just died or my parent just died. What do I do? We say, well, let's see. Do they have any documents? Do they have a trust? Are there any amendments to the trust? Is there a will? kind of go through the documents and and what I find is to be the most important thing is for the person who is going to be administering the estate to make sure that they have copies of any of the operative documents. Don't guess who you should start distributing money to. Don't give somebody a loan because you think that person should inherit. First, find the documents that may give you some indication of what the decedent, the person who died, wanted. Take those documents into an attorney and see if they're valid documents. That's, a, that's some threshold organizational stuff. Once you get to the point where you know there may be a valid will, then there needs to be a probate, or there is a trust, and there are assets in the trust that need to be distributed, the trust needs to be administered. The next question is, okay, well, who else needs to know about this. And so we talk to people about making sure that beneficiaries are contacted, that they're provided the correct kind of documentation that's required, whether that be an inventory, any kind of an accounting, information about whether the trustee or the personal representative is gonna collect compensation. We have these conversations right off the bat with people because we find that beneficiaries, whether they're receiving money through a trust or heirs who may be receiving money through a probate, they really want information and delaying even a friendly introductory letter can actually cause people quite a bit of stress. I, I think I completely agree, of course, Elizabeth, and I think people really need to emphasize giving information. There are some minimum information distributions that are required in each case, but you don't have to live at the minimum. You're permitted to do better than that. And generally speaking, people who do better, who, who provide more information, are less likely to get into trouble. Uh, you know, one of the things you alluded to, Elizabeth, made me think, I am surprised how often clients come in and say, well, yeah, this is what dad's will said or mom's trust says, but they always told me that they wanted to do this other thing, and so I'm gonna give some money to my nephew or to my son uh, because mom would have wanted that. Um, no, you don't get to redecide how things get distributed. Or, you know, my nephew really needed money for tuition, and I know my mom would have wanted to help, so it's okay that I just paid his tuition from the estate, right? 
Yeah, or the, another variation on that. Yeah, it looks like the estate is $300,000. There are three kids. I'm going to go ahead and give my sister her $100,000 first, and we'll settle everything up, and, and my brother and I will we'll, uh, we'll split the difference. No, don't do that. Um, your sister can wait until distributions are made. If you want to make an early distribution, maybe it's appropriate, though we are not big fans of early distributions. Why not? Is that just because we're lawyers and we don't like to see people get money? No, Robert. It's because we want to make sure that all the beneficiaries are informed and that nobody is going to be contesting the terms of the operative document or the basically the, the distribution scheme that has been proposed. Oh, that's the... That's the dog. That's Duncan. Duncan agrees. So I'll tell people here who are listening today, when we meet with a trustee or when we meet with somebody who needs to open a probate, be the personal representative, I try and get get the person to talk to me a little bit about the heirs, the other beneficiaries and relationships. And sometimes people look at me and they say, well, you know, who are you to be asking how I get along with my uncle or my cousin? Well, it's actually very important because if we know off the top that your family has had struggles and, and there are certain tensions within relationships, gosh, we can help. We can help make sure that those introductory communications are friendly and that they're timely and that they send the information that they're required to send. All too often, I think people let those family tensions and the kind of niggles under the carpet really disrupt what could be a very smooth administration. And and I hate to explain this to my uncle because he's always difficult. Well, guess what? He's the one we're going to tell you you need to explain it to most completely and most quickly. There's another reason, uh, back to, you, to the question that I posed to you about why we are not big fans of early distributions. There's another reason to, to delay a little while before making distributions. Too often, family members show up at the funeral and expect to leave with a check in their pockets. And that's just not going to happen. Certainly not going to happen in a probate setting, and it's unlikely to happen in a trust administration either. And one of the reasons is the tax man. We have to spend a little time figuring out whether tax returns were filed, whether taxes are due for the last year or for the last five years if returns weren't filed. We have more than once or twice stumbled into cases where it turns out there's a significant tax bill and we have seen cases where clients have, have handed out money and then the IRS has come calling and wanted it back and they have to go get it back or maybe they have to pay it themselves because the personal representative or the trustee can be on the hook personally for those unpaid taxes. So um, we're not big fans of making early big distributions. And Robert, sometimes we meet with people and we'll have a consultation Maybe we'll have a follow-up meeting and we'll hear from the person who's come in to get legal advice about how we recommend administering the estate. The person will say, well, do I have to follow your recommendations? Well, no. If you don't want our recommendations, that's okay. You don't have to follow them. But we're not going to be able to continue the representation in those cases because we know that if you're not going to follow recommendations up front, things are likely to get way more complicated in about seven to nine months. 
And so I don't have hard feelings if, if I've told somebody my recommendations how to do something pursuant to the terms of the documents in Arizona law. And somebody says, well, that's not really what my mom wanted. I want to do it differently. Okay, but I'm not going to be able to continue giving you legal advice through the administration if, if you're just not going to follow it. And so keep in mind, folks, that if you're already thinking to yourself right now, gosh, I, I, I don't want to follow the rules, it's still probably a good idea to meet with an attorney just so you know the rules that you're breaking. That's a good point. General documentation issues when you're administering an estate. Again, little e-estate, whether it's probate or trust. Is it okay to pay for everything out of your own account, as so many of our clients want to do, and then write a reimbursement check once a month or every week or however often you decide um, for the 5, 6, 8, 22 things that you've paid for in that time period? Please try not to do that, Robert, because the thing is, is the other beneficiaries are going to look at the accounting and they're going to see that about $15,000 has gone out to you in 25 separate checks and they're going to say, what was this about? And even if you have the requisite number of receipts and can show what it was for, uh, you're just, you're, in, you're encouraging distrust that will end up being, uh, being bad for you in the end. So just open up a checking account in the name of the trust or the estate, wherever you do your normal banking, get a debit card, get a checkbook that are linked to that account, and use money from that account. That way, when people want to know how money was spent, you can simply give them a statement, an account statement. And that account statement will not have any of your personal expenses on it. It will all be related to the trust administration or the estate. I think that is an easy thing for people to do. It's just a headache to get to the bank and open up an account. The thing that I, I, I do feel that people forget about sometimes when it when we talk about reimbursements or paying for things through an estate is that there are some expenses that we look back on and think, well, gosh, if you're paying for healthcare expenses in bills that came while your parent was alive, and now you're paying them after death, well, actually, that's something that we need to know about for their final tax return. There are medical expenses that weren't paid before their death. That's actually a relevant, relevant detail. Yep, so keep good records. The single most important piece of advice I give new clients about administering an estate, again, probate or trust, or for that matter, conservatorship or uh, power of attorney, is keep track of your time. Oh, you're not planning on charging a fee? That's fine. Then you can shelve those, those records at the end of the administration. But in the meantime, please keep track of your time in a running log because that leaves your options open. You can charge a fee if you can document it. So keep track of the time from the get-go rather than later saying, oh, I wish I'd kept track of my time so I could charge for this. Even if you just have a special um, font or color or way of doing this on your calendar, your Outlook calendar, your Google calendar, I've seen trustees and personal representatives say, well, I don't want to charge anything. I said, well, that's fine. But you know what? Just put notes in that calendar when we met when we had phone calls, when you went to the bank, when you talked to the CPA, so that you can look back on that later if somebody says, yeah, did you ever talk to the CPA? Oh, gosh, let me look at that green that green font on my calendar from November 2nd. Yeah. Well, lots of good suggestions. I hope people take them to heart. I hope people are prepared to pay attention to us or the lawyer that they hire to help with the state administration. We actually kind of know what we're talking about. and. 
there are good reasons we give you the advice that we give you. Um, and Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, my partner, has, has been talking to us about estate administration. And Elizabeth, thank you. I'm Robert Fleming. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues, a podcast of Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And we hope you become a regular. Thanks.